you're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 42 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm glad that if you're caught up with the podcast and you've been listening to us for a while, we are finally and truly off the boat. Uh, we want to thank you for sticking with us this entire time. Right. Um, it, started it, somehow, off as, it started off as an innocent three-hour tour. <laughs> That's good. Here, here we are. That's mm. uh, pretty funny. Um, but if for some reason this is your f- first time listening to the podcast and you decide to click on episode 42 just to see what this is all about, um, I'll say that I really recommend that you go back a little bit because we are just about wrapping up this whole saga of the Bible. Um, if you must listen out of order and you don't want to listen to episode one, just go back to the first episode of season two and things will make a lot more sense. For everyone else, welcome back. Please subscribe. If you're not subscribed, hit like, hit subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you're listening, so we can continue to spread the podcast even further. And with that, let us um, dive right in, which I guess doesn't really make any sense as a segue anymore, because uh, we're, we're, we're on dry ground now. Yeah, so we're, yes, where are we going we today? Are. Uh, Genesis 9, Gen 9, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to try to set the stage a little bit of some comparison backwards uh, before we go forward and talk about the covenant. Awesome. Well, you know we're not messing around because we're doing seven verses in a single episode. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so a little backstory. We threw around doing 17 verses today, but... uh, decided that, hey, we want to talk about this stuff first. And uh, so anyway, we, we were throwing that around and I knew in my heart, I was like, it's not happening. There's hey, no we, way we, covered, we, covered, we covered Genesis five in one week. It, it can. Uh, be that's done. true. Yeah, that's that right. is true. Mm, yes. For, for, forgive my faithlessness. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that A being three said, hour tour. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Nate? You know what, Nathan? Uh, I think it's your turn to read today. How well, I was going to say I better read today so I can have a few weeks to recuperate before y'all make me read Genesis. Right. <laughs> it, it's looming on the horizon. <laughs> That's right. So, well, I'll read Genesis nine one through seven, and as always, dear listener, we are reading from the English Standard Version. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. 
And you, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. So, Clearly a, fl- a fresh start of some kind. Yeah, I was about to say, this sounds eerily like um, the early chapters of Genesis, except there are there's a little major differences here and there. It's almost like this is... Uh, creation version too, but I, I, yeah. I love the way you describe that. Little major differences, <laughs> little, <laughs> little major differences. Little major differences. It's just, it's it's. Think about like for instance, I I am an iPhone user. Uh, I think Nathan is too. Uh, maybe not all of us on the podcast though. Just throwing that out there. Awkward. It's all right. I, I forgive you. <laughs> but but anyway, like one of the things about the iPhone is my first iPhone that I ever had was a, a Gen or the iPhone four. And I can't remember what generation that was. I don't know. I I didn't have it before then. But ever since then, every year you come out with a new version. And typically in the in-between, there is, you know, something that that falls in between there. Like, you know, you had the 4S and then the 6 Plus and, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, But essentially, what you hold in your hand, the iPhone hasn't changed a whole lot. It's the operating system still overall looks and feels the same. But as you use it, you realize even though it looks similar, there are some significant differences. So I think as we're looking at Gen 1 of of the Earth as in Genesis 1 and comparing it to Gen 9, which is Genesis 9, there are some distinct differences that we can talk about. So... Um, one that I see immediately that that jumps out to me is that this whole talk about the fear and dread of you shall be upon every beast. That is totally different than the language of Genesis one, which is to to have dominion and subdue the the, the relationship between mankind and animals has totally changed. Yeah, I, th- I think of Gen I think of Genesis two or Gen two in Matt's language. Uh, where the animals are coming to Adam essentially to see, oh, what's he going to call us? What's our name going to be? And this is not that. It's, it's, it's almost weird to read after, you know, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. By the way, everything's going to be terrified of you. Right. Adam um, never thought, oh, this one looks delicious. Um, <laughs> in other words, in other words, in other words, there is something I have a portion. God has not changed his calling on mankind, but the scenario in which mankind operates is changed, right? Yes, that's good. Uh, In fact, Mm -hmm. this language of the fear and the dread of you reminds me of the book of Joshua when Rahab is talking to the spies. Oh, yeah. uh, The fear and the dread of you. You know, she even says the language of our hearts melted when we heard you guys were coming. Uh, You Mm. still have the aspect of dominion, but the means of accomplishing that have shifted. Um, this makes me think of, uh, Matt, we were talking beforehand, it makes me think of Genesis 3. Uh, mm. In the aftermath of Adam and Eve's sin, you have the whole verse to Eve. Um, your desire, and it's that subversive form of desire, will be for your husband, but he will all he will lord over you. So you're going to try to subvert him, and he's going to try to subordinate you. In other words, God didn't change the fact that he created man and woman for each other, but because sin is part of the equation, because God, again, God addressed the intensity, but God did not solve the inclination. He he addressed the extensiveness, but not the existence of sin. Um, 
something lingers uh, that will that will affect the dynamics of the story moving forward. And also, we well, talked um, about last week the whole idea that God did not eradicate sin. He only dealt with the extent of sin in the flood, that the existence of sin is still here. And it's surprise, surprise here in Genesis chapter nine, we're talking about the effects of sin. Like, okay, there's been a flood, the waters have now parted, and there's a whole new world. But it wasn't like the first world that God made, because the same underlying problem like last week's example, the DeLorean's still flying around. We haven't dealt that's with right. that. That they haven't dealt with that yeah. yet. And by the, and by the way, that's the, there's something uh, ironically beautiful about that uh, because a lot of times, a lot of times, our minds or our hearts are inclined to think um, that nothing's wrong if nothing apocalyptic is happening biblically. Mm. Uh, but yeah. but I mean th- that does not that does not gel with biblical revelation as we have it. I think of Romans eight, the whole creation groans for redemption, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. It's not just this anthro uh, uh, man centered. Um, it's not just this man considered. There, there's a cosmic consideration that creation itself, in its roots, recognizes that something is not the way God created it to be. You know, this reminds me a little bit of what Peter talks about in Second Peter when he talks about that people deliberately, they just don't remember the story of the flood and what that is and what it was. And it reminds me a little bit, Gandalf, to, to throw towards you, of that scene in the Lord of the Rings trilogy in the opening scene of Fellowship of the Rings where they're talking about and things that were lost and should not have been forgotten. I don't know the exact quote, but it's, you know, the ring falls into the river and it was like the things that were forgotten that shouldn't have been forgotten. Yeah. Uh, None now live who remember. Yes. (laughs) And just like that, we are back on brand. Welcome to the Better Than Fiction Bible (laughs) podcast. That's right. So the Lord of the Rings has not been referenced in probably three or four episodes. People were beginning to wonder if we were, (laughs) if this was a different iteration of of our uh, program. Right. Right. So uh, also in looking at this, you know, I think we've all either been the person or at least we've been to dinner with the person who reads the menu from right to left, meaning look at the price column first and then, oh, here's something I can afford. Let's see. Let me find something I like over here. Um, <laughs> I think Here's what I'm um, willing to spend. Um. Exactly. Um, but uh, when you think about it, though, we don't – when you look at Gen 9 – The question is, what is now lost? The paradise that has been lost rather than a harmonious relationship. Yeah, steak's on the menu now, but what's not on the menu? And that, I think, is captured here. And and Matt, I'm glad you went there because that, to me, captures the irony of this passage. Um, I I know we challenge or push back against some of the ways people are tempted to read things. And I feel like the flood as a whole, here's what we've tried to do. A lot of times people read the flood and, and, and even from a believing perspective, okay, I'm a Christian, but when I read the flood story, God just seems so mean or so angry or just so uh, tyrannical and wiping thing out, uh, wiping everything out. Again, this is a go-to passage uh, for skeptics or people who want to say, how can you believe that God is benevolent when he does that? But we've tried to highlight, again, the lack of language of wrath 
Again, God's heart is grieved. We've tried to highlight the measures of grace that God has uh, provided for in the story, correct? The irony is that when people read Genesis 9, um, we're tempted to focus only on the positive. Okay, all the terrible flood stuff has happened, but at least meat's on the menu now, right? Isn't that what we're tempted to do? (laughs) Right. But uh, Genesis 9 might be functioning the exact opposite way. Uh, it, It might be saying... You know, hey, I still put you in charge, but now the way you relate to the creation, there's going to be some fear and dread. Uh, th- this is not this perfectly symbiotic uh, uh, creation, uh, you know, design. In fact, you know, we were talking beforehand. It's interesting. So, and I, by the way, this is not me pleading for veganism. Uh, I am an omnivore cheating toward carnivore, uh, full confession. Um <laughs> Uh, But it is interesting to me that so many of the passages that look forward to the end of all things, I think of an Isaiah chapter 11, you have the image of uh, predator and prey once again uh, living in harmony rather than a predatorial relationship. Uh, You know, the wolf will lie down with the lamb, uh, you Mm. know, know, and the little child will lead them uh, where where defenseless creatures don't have to worry about defending themselves. So can I can I throw something in here? Uh, one of the things that is is puzzling to me a little bit is, and it maybe the there's something linking it together. We've looked at pseudepigraphal work like the Book of Enoch, and one of the things that that Enoch points out there is that it was not only the wickedness and violence done to humans, but it was the wickedness and violence done to animals as well. Uh, and w- whether or not that's true, but I'm just now having this thought: if pre-flood beasts, animals were charitable towards humans. Does that not amplify abusing them and killing them? Now they flee from you. They run from you. It's kind of like, could this be maybe a little bit of a safeguard that God's putting in place to like, hey, we don't want the world to get the way it was before. So we're going to put this in place. Also, in it moving in its language of Remember, the flood became because of the violence that was on the earth. God is also putting in another safeguard of like, hey, also, if you shed the blood of man, your blood is going to be shed. This is not the mercy that he showed Cain. This is, okay, listen, there's going to be a reckoning because well, uh, but it, but it's, left uh, unchecked, uh, it goes to a disaster. Yeah, and and there's some, there's some debate there, whether that's uh, descriptive or prescriptive, you know, whether God is... Uh, endorsing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think, and this is not to make this too cartoony, and I certainly don't mean this irreverent, uh, but we, with regard to the animals, at least, we do have to rem- uh, remember this is right on the heels of that massive sacrifice in the closing right. verses of Genesis 8. Uh, it, it's it's not a leap for me. You know, he takes some of the he takes some of every clean animal to offer the sacrifice. Meanwhile, other, the other animals are standing around uh, bro, are we next? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it also reminds me of the. Did you all ever see the Disney iteration of C.S. Lewis's Prince Caspian? The movie version, yes. you mean? The, yeah, the the movie version where Peter, Lucy, uh, Edmund, and Susan come back to Narnia, and when they come back to Narnia, she sees this. I think it was a bear, but maybe it was you know something like a. a 
a Wolverine or something like that. I don't remember exactly. Lucy, who remembers Narnia as it was when all the animals talked and were playful and engaged with human beings, is she sees this mirror and tries to talk to it, not realizing it's wild. And the other character there, the, the Narnian, saves her from being killed by this bear. And she she doesn't realize the leap that has taken place in their thousand year absence from Narnia that Gen 1 has moved to Gen 9 and the world it's is not, not as it once not was. It's not the bear you remember. That's it. Yeah. It, it's like the Narnians before they had their morning coffee. It's like, careful, it's wild. Don't, t- don't talk to it. <laughs> I know some people like that. So, yes. Someone sent me a really funny meme and it said if you... Uh, if you switch from coffee to green tea, you will effectively remove 80% of the source of happiness that you have remaining in your life. <laughs> that's, that's what's happened to these animals. You know. Exactly. Um, I want to ask you a question, Nathan, and see, see if this fits. So here's a question, Nathan. Is this a fair assessment? And I know what we talked about, pseudepigraphal works, and how maybe the sons of God, daughters of men, and how we landed on a position there, and how that may have led to the flood. But... Regardless of that, just push that to the side for a second. Is this a fair statement? Adam's sin sent the world into exile but from Eden, but Cain's sin led the world into a flood. I like where you're going. That's all Is I'll it, say. That's all I'll okay. say. <laughs> I like where you're going. Um, gotcha. I don't like where Cain went, but I like where you're sure. going and, and framing that up. Um, okay. Yeah. In other words, we'll see many times. Uh, this is not the this is not the last wilderness where things are worse than they have to be. <laughs> right. Is that fair? Oh, that's good. Yeah, that that's fair? really good. So I like, I like where that. You're going with that thought. Um. Uh, so yeah. also, but it does to as we kind of land the plane here on this week. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. So if we were to take that verse and compare back to Gen 1, okay, um, the be fruitful and multiply is to fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. Now looking at Gen 9, it is increase greatly on the earth and, and multiply it. in yeah. it and fill it. There is no subdue and there oh. is no dominion because that has been forfeited and lost. Is that fair? You, you know, it's interesting. Um, I've always read this and I always read it as being like the phrase as being a carbon copy from early chapters of Genesis, but it isn't. There's a big, That's right. It's like we, here. yeah, it's like, what, it's like we talked about last week when we were comparing uh, Genesis eight twenty one to Genesis six five. I think Matt was absolutely right to say the similarity of wording is there on purpose so that you hearken back to what you've already read or heard. But the differences, uh, those subtle differences, uh, to your earlier uh, wording. Uh, the the little major differences, uh, yeah, those subtle differences. The little, yeah, in the last wording. week, little major differences. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> subtle differences in the wording highlight uh, huge shifts that have occurred, uh, uh, just tectonic shifts in the setting. Um, and then so the I, language I of Romans right. that you talked about—that all of creation groans and longs 
for the, by the way, it's interesting of what Paul says, not groans and longs for the second coming of Christ, but rather groans and longs for the revelation of the sons of God. And that is referred to there. He's talking about the saints where in the eschaton, in the world to come, that the world will be ruled by the image of God people as it was in Eden or Eden 2.0. So what we're looking at in Genesis 9 is the way the world is run in the absence of the glorified sons of God. And 1.0, you cannot run Genesis 1.0 software in Gen 9. It is not backwards Gen- compatible. It's not compatible. No, that's good. I, I like that. Be- I can't believe. I know there was like a millisecond between us, but I can't believe I beat Gandalf to that statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It is not backwards compatible. In fact, I talk about this in marital counseling, is that first and foremost, marriage is God's design. God made it. But the original design took place in a perfect environment. That's, so uh, we that's good must word. remember that, that the original software, it, it will never work as God designed it because we're on Gen 9, not Gen 1. However, the original design is good and it informs us of Gen 9, but there is a whole host of spam and malware that has been introduced to this issue. You you have the curse of Genesis 3. You've now got not just the curse, but now the history of Genesis or Gen chapter 2 uh, or Gen th- rather 3 and 4 through all the way through 9. You've got all the baggage that now comes with that and now you're pushing that into okay, now let's let's look at marriage. Well, you're not you it's important because I think whenever we talk and preach on marriage, we always go to Genesis and say, well, look, this is how it's supposed to work. And amen. But it's also important to remind ourselves and our listeners when we're teaching, marriage will never work that way, ever, because it cannot, because that no longer exists. And if you if you if you only look at Genesis two and try to get God's biblical view of marriage for today and never talk about the implications of Genesis 3, it's going to be a dysfunctional Pollyanna view of marriage that's going to hurt you. Well, uh, I like your I like your idea of talking about introduction of sin and violence as being like malware. And as we've seen, when malware gets out of hand, sometimes you just have to format the whole drive. Which uh, look, you're on a roll today. Well, my ears you perked want, up. You start talking about technology. I was like, what? <laughs> how how has Gandalf not done all the talking in this episode? <laughs> well, I, I got to be careful because well, I mean, well, listeners, Matt you should know that we're t- constantly telling Gandalf he needs to talk more in the episodes because in our minds, the episodes are always strongest when he does the most talking. And then here we are playing in his ballpark and we refuse to let him have a turn at bat. Hey, before it. we close, I want to just say one more thing. Uh, and it's something we said last week, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but we are on the cusp of seeing a word we haven't seen since Genesis 6 and it's the word covenant. I think we saw it for the first time in Genesis 6:18. It will occur 7 times in the next several verses. We're going to we're going to dwell there next week. Um and and that's so important because last week we talked about how God through the flood had addressed the extensiveness of sin uh but not the existence of sin. 
right? Man still has an inclination towards sin. And as we're seeing in this chapter, in this passage, uh, there is an enduring impact of sin on all of creation after the flood, not only in what exists, but how it relates to one another. No more dominion, now there's fear and dread. And in the next verses, we're going to see God's both immediate and long-term plan uh, for dealing with that introduced and expounded upon, and that's through this concept of covenant. So I cannot wait uh, to get there next week. And indeed, and uh, we will be there next week. And listener, uh, I hope you will join us as well. And if you want to know exactly when that episode drops every Tuesday morning, please, please, please like and subscribe this podcast and whatever you're listening to. And that not only helps you out with knowing when the podcast comes out every week, but also helps us out in telling the algorithm that this is indeed worthwhile content. And we believe it is. And clearly you do, because this is episode 42. So we'll see you next week. Until then, have a good one. Bye. See you next time. Shalom. Dude, this episode made me want to eat a steak. (laughs) (laughs) I want my baby back, baby back.